Hey folks, welcome to a podcast about Catholic themes. This is Eric, the Ambassador of Common Sense, and I'm here with... Dan, the Ambassador of Nonsense. Welcome everyone. Uh, we got kind of an adult show today. Because um, we're going to talk... I mean, after the bishops in Germany... And it's not just the bishops, it's the whole church. It's the laity too. But I guarantee you they blocked anyone who any dissenters from their opinion, but supposedly the entire Church of Germany saying, well, homosexuality isn't wrong anymore. And trying, after the German Synod gives this document, I guess the document is supposed to go to Rome, and Rome what? Just looks at it? I mean, what's the point of all this? I don't understand. I don't even understand why they do well, this. Well, so... As as far as I've been able to to decipher, um, and and this is by reading uh, a few different like like America. What's the Jesuit magazine? American magazine or America magazine or whatever the, the Jesuit yeah. one, and, and and a few other um, sites that are that are clearly in support of the German bishops' attempt within their synodal way to change the sexual teachings of the church um the the pro, what's going on is that they had this document that proposes some changes to the sexual teachings of the church mm-hmm. uh and and we can like you know we'll, we'll come up with, with with some of the uh the nuggets uh quote nuggets during our show but it did not get approved by the German now, if it had gotten approved by the German bishops, it really wouldn't mean anything other than that the Germans are heretics. Uh, it would maybe place them into some kind of weird position as in formal heresy or something like okay, that. Okay, I don't that, understand you know, which the Pope would have to adjudicate. Wait a minute! But wait a minute! Mm-hmm. I I'm misunderstanding here. I thought they came up with this document, they voted on it, and they didn't have and it didn't pass. And then they didn't have enough votes. And then they voted again, only they made it a secret ballot, and it did have enough votes. No, it was actually um, it was actually the other way around. When it was a secret ballot, they had fewer votes. So then they launched on this campaign, said, no, we're not going to have secret ballots. We're going to drag you all out in the open for opposing oh, okay, this stuff. Yeah. And we're going to call you homophobes and everything. And then they got a lot more votes in favor, but still not enough to make it pass. Okay, I was I was under the impression that that it did. At least that's how I. That that's it did what get I, enough votes. They did. Okay, they okay. did it a secret. It didn't pass. Then they did it public, and it did pass. That's what my understanding was. That's what Taylor Marshall okay, is reporting. So I, I like I'm reading from from five days ago, uh, Catholic News Agency. After the bishops blocked a vote demanding changes to the church's teaching on sexual morality at the German Synodal Way, organizers on Friday voiced displeasure with the outcome and vowed to take it to Rome. Taylor Marshall reported on the 12th, which is Monday. I know. I think he was just reporting on the content of this document. Did he say that they actually passed or just that he said, this was the document they were trying to pass? He said that they tried to pass it. In, with a secret ballot, mm-hmm. and it didn't pass. And then they they made the ballot public so that each bishop had to put his name to it, and it did pass. Yeah, I, I don't 
think it did. I think he's incorrect about that. Maybe I because I, I can't him. find any. I can't find any news article that says that it passed. Okay, this was in America Magazine that uh, reported. I'm looking at America Magazine, Catholic News Agency, um, New Ways Ministries. I don't know what to do here. I don't know if we should go on I, with this because we don't know. I thought, but it doesn't matter. Because this was just going to be a lead into our topic anyway. Okay, okay. Well, look, the topic is about homosexuality. Um, there are a thousand and one proofs that homosexuality is wrong, and it's shown to be wrong in the Bible over and over again. But I wanted to talk a little bit about, and this is why this is an adult conversation, because we're going to be pretty explicit here about what sodomy specifically sodomy is and why it's so wrong and why it's one of the sins that cry out to heaven. It's, it's one of the top sins. It's one that you're going to get chastised for more than if you would just say, uh, you know, stolen something, you know, or, or any of the other mortal sins, let's say fornication. Um, and I guess we should start with an appreciation of what sex is. Not just with people, but actually what reproduction is. I mean, if you talk about single-cell organisms, uh, they, they have several ways of reproducing. Some of them uh, have binary division. Some of them bud, where it just grows another person and breaks off and becomes that own, not a person, but another thing, <laughs> another entity. Thing. Yeah, like and uh, sponges, I think, do that or something right. like that, right? Stuff like that, yeah. And, of course, a sponge, when you've got a parent sponge and a budded sponge, I can you genetically tell the difference between those two? Really? No. I mean, okay. ge genetically, no. Okay. <clears throat> Same with uh, mitosis. Um, it takes the genes and reproduces the genes and then splits them apart into two separate, to the point where you couldn't say this is the parent and this is the child cell. They're the same cell. Exactly. It's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like if you take, uh, if you take a rock and, and you cut it exactly in half and then you say, okay, which one is the original? And then which one is the other half that came from the original? It's a meaningless question. It is a meaningless question, but where it differs is as that it is in as it is in 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 the the case of genetic mitosis, right? But the big difference is that in the rock, you end up with two rocks, and each of them or are that smaller. are different, yeah. From the neither one is the parent, exactly, exactly, because yeah. they're both half. Neither one is whole. In mitosis, both sides get restored to the whole, and now you have two whole rocks. Or you know, chromosomes that are indistinct, and neither one is the parent, and neither one is the child. They are simply new copies of an original. Neither one is the copy, and neither one is the original. Right. That's the weird thing about how genetics works. And it's, I, I mean, I, I would just point out that it's it's something that we should marvel at once in a while because there's nothing else like that <laughs> yeah. in nature, and. Other than uh, virtual things, there's nothing like that that we can make. I mean, we can make programs yeah, I know. do that, it's like, but right. programs aren't real. They're it's just like, instructions. Um, 
The only thing, the only other thing I can think of that's even close is fire. Yeah, only it's... that's the only thing I can think of that even comes close. But even with fire, there's usually like okay, there's the original flame, and then you can get another flame from it, and now you've got. But but the original flame is is identified by the material that it was burning. Right. By the you know it, from this candle to that candle, it can't be a well. Now they're flame both whole flames, itself. but. Yeah, exactly. It always needs the DNA the substance to burn, and then right. <clears throat> yeah. So um, when you get into plants, it changes a little bit because the single cell initiates that that division on its own. But with plants, um, we're using sex now. We're using you know an egg and. I, I don't even know what you call it in a plant. The oh, often it's a a, a pollen. That, yeah. that's what the pollen is. The pollen fertilizes the egg, and while it while it I, I don't I don't I think, think it, it, it ever yeah. it is initiated by itself. Some kind of outside force has to exert on it. Well, yeah, some some well, whether it's wind they, or they a bee or... in, once in contact they can like for example right. on corn you've got the corn silk. Which is the uh, the the tubules um, that lead down to the ova, um, and then you've got the tufts at the top of the the tassels on the top of the cord. Well, that's where all the pollen is, and then the wind comes by and it blows all the pollen all over from the tassels, and then some of those get on the ends of the corn silk, and then they travel down the corn silk, and then fertilize the ovum. Each, each silk constitute you know goes to one ovum. And then when it gets fertilized and that grows, that becomes one kernel of corn. So two things to note here. One, again, it takes an outside force. Something yeah, else initiates it. Get it together. Or um, bees in, in a lot of flowering yeah, plants. Yeah, butterflies or bees. And, um, number two, we have a slightly different thing happening in that the new ear of corn is different than the old ear of corn, I you can you can find the difference between them genetically, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because you've got the the, the that's in fact that's what you child. know Mendel's all all of Mendel's like uh, genetic experiments with plants mm-hmm. and stuff that that sort of led to the genetic revolution. That's why corn seed and and wheat seed and, and other kinds of seeds are so expensive because these companies like. Like uh, most, seed, what's the Montessori big one? Mon- or Monsanto like or whatever. Yeah, Mon- yeah. Mon- and and others, they spend so much time crossbreeding these various kinds of corn in order to get just the right thing. Um, and in fact, they're they're uh, a lot of times. That's one of the things they'll do is like they'll they'll say, okay, we want this corn. We want the ovas from this corn. The ova from this corn. Uh, and the pollen from this other corn, but we don't want the pollen from this corn to be able to um, to, to get on to the yeah. ovum. And so what they'll do is they'll have the corn planted, and then they'll hire these bands of, of kids to ride in uh, flatbed trucks, detasseling the corn along the rows and taking the tassels off and throwing them into buckets so they can be disposed so that the corn will be pollinated by different corn of their choosing. Um, and it's like many generations of this kind of stuff that they do to arrive at their seed 
and then they sell the seed. And the seed they ultimately sell to farmers is infertile. It'll grow, but the corn kernels that you end up with, you right. can't go plant those and grow corn. Right. Um, there's something to be said here about the process itself. And mm-hmm. because we're starting at kind of the beginning of creation, if you want to call it creation or evolution, whatever you want to call it, there's a point here that this process does a very specific thing and therefore has a very specific purpose. I mean, I don't, even if you ask an evolutionist, what's the purpose of sex? They would understand it to have a purpose. And if it has a purpose, they it will, has a creator. Yeah. So. Um, they'll they'll speak of it as purpose. They'll they'll immediately say, "Oh well, 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 purpose." I really mean that it serves a, 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 an end result. Yeah. But they'll uh, say and, the and same thing but, about um, maybe maybe but, get become uh, a species becoming larger. Well, its purpose is so that they can withstand this other, you know, predator or something like that. And right. Right, or everything if it's faster, to them has so a it can evade or something. Yeah, and yeah, they they evolutionists always speak in terms of purpose. And no matter what camp you're and, in, the purpose of this process is to reproduce plants. Yeah, right. It's, and not only, excuse me, not only to reproduce, but the purpose specifically of sexual reproducing reproduction, as opposed to. Um, asexual mitotic reproduction that we've talked about before um, yeah. has to do with gene mixing. Yeah. It, it's not just the gene mixing is a side of Evolutionists is... will say that that's why it's important. Yeah. Um, yeah. The diversity of the uh, genes is what the, the keeps population. it healthy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, as we, Go on down the chronological line, we get to animals. And once again, we're get, having uh, self-initiated reproduction, but in this case, it takes two different animals. Whereas a plant could a plant could not initiate the process. It needed some kind of outside force. The animals suddenly can, but generally not by itself. It has to have both male and female. Which is just interesting, mm-hmm. I always thought, because um, we went from self-initiating to needing an outside force. Now we're back to self-initiating, but there has to be some kind of cooperation. Yeah, yeah. And, there's, it's not, uh, and most plants. It's it's actually interesting because most plants are both male and female, like corn that I, yeah. you know, talked about. There are plants that are exclusively male and exclusively female. Certain kinds of trees, for example, and and I think even some of the flowering plants, although I'm not sure. So it's kind of like like looking forward towards the more animal way of of being. By the way, everybody, I am officially on vacation. Uh, I'm going to Ireland for a combination religious pilgrimage and whiskey distillery tour. Lucky you, and I'm back from getting coffee. Um. So, another thing that we have here is the mixture of genes uh, to make a child that is different from the parents. And I, there's something special about this because 
again, the parents contribute to the child, but they don't give up anything. And that's true. That process in itself, again, is somewhat miraculous because it only happens in life. And it's, I think the process deserves a certain amount of respect. That's not to say we can't use it to either make a better animal or even to do something in a laboratory. But yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, we, we, Dog breeds, for example, are a purely human invention. Yeah. We breed similar kinds in order to develop. But even even within a very strongly typed dog breed, and, you know, we know this as, as parents who raise children, this is a well-known principle, but it, it may not seem obvious if you just, you know, on, on first blush without a, a sort of deeper understanding, I guess, of the genetics. But, but once you have this idea that, oh, okay, well, you've got the genes and... The you take half of the genes from the mom and half the genes from the dad, and then combine them, and now you've got a child. And you would think, oh, well, then the same two parents, mom and dad, if they have six kids, they're going to be six identical kids, right? Well, no. Uh, it turns out that because of how the genes separate and how the combinations of of each of the chromosomes. Because uh, each you, you've got like two pairs of chromosomes, and then you've got each set of chromosomes pulls apart, and you only have one set of chromosomes on on one of the like like an egg will have only one set of chromosomes, but the combination of which chromosomes it has is completely random among our you know the the twenty three pairs we have. Yeah. Same thing for each sperm. And so you come up with this sort of lottery system where it would be nearly impossible for parents having child after child after child within their whole lifetime. If, if, if that's all they did and somebody else took the children away so they never had to stop making babies, it would still be nearly impossible for them to produce an identical pair of children other than in the case of, of the identical twin phenomenon. Yeah. That sometimes it's, happens. That's and even identical twins, they're not they're not the same. I don't I don't can you take But a this is true in the animal world I too. Think, I'm only yeah. bringing it Go ahead. If you had identical twins, could you tell them apart genetically? No. Oh, okay. No, because the way that works is that you you get the egg sperm combination. Now you've got an egg, a fertilized egg, and then what happens is when that fertilized egg first splits using mitosis now, which yeah. does exact copies, it somehow separates completely. A little accident. And then each no. of those okay. goes on to become a person. Okay. It's The process is marvelous. And we could see God <laughs> creeping ever closer to his main event. And yeah. during this time, remember that the angels are watching this. Um they're watching these first they watch the creation of matter itself and then life and quite possibly some of the angels participate in it you know right. i don't I, you know obviously all such powers would be granted from god but but god like giving some of the angels certain directives about how to guide the creation of matter and stuff like that or or at least guide its formation 
there's no reason to think that wouldn't have happened. And I think you touched on that in one of our podcasts that you talked about, St. Michael the Archangel. Uh, we go in kind mm-hmm. of depth right. to the different angels and their different jobs. And that is a unique possibility. Um, but they're looking at this, and it would seem that some of them are looking at the fact that these living things are being given powers that the angels do not have. Oh, that's right. You know, an, a, an angel can't make another one of itself. Right. Only, only a. Nor living. can two angels make you know another angel. It, it, the very idea of generation—that's one of the things that the angels, even though we have like like we recognize, uh, they call them the celestial spheres, yeah. the different classifications of angels. We've got the seraphs and the cherubs and the uh, powers and dominions and virtues and so on and so forth. But each individual angel, that at least you know, according to Thomas Aquinas and others who have thought about such things. Each individual angel is a type unto itself, so that there cannot be other of that type. The way we can talk about humanity as a type and say that there are many humans. Right. And that's why, for example, we can all share in, say, the fall or something like that, that because we're a type. Uh, and we, we, a multiplicity that all have that type. But angels aren't like that. So angels, they're watching this creation and then suddenly this thing called life occurs on earth and suddenly bacteria are like making more of themselves through an internal process that is part of the power of the nature of the bacterium. And if we look at uh, God's setting here that he gave for them, they... uh, they're not really the only limitation is the environment that they live in. So um, it's not like there could be five billion of them, and then they would say, "All right, that's enough bacteria." It's going to keep going as long as whatever environment they're in will support them, and that's how many there are. Mm-hmm. However many it could be can be supported in a certain amount of time. Um, just want to point that one thing out. There's no limitation on this. It's natural to breed without limitation. Yeah. In, in fact, it's what we it's what living things strive to do. All of them. Um, but the big thing, the big change in all of this is rationality, which up until now living things had not had. And now, certainly, there's some angels saying, hey, wait a minute, not only can these things uh, regenerate, but now they're, now they're able to think and understand. And Yeah, they have agency. As, a, as a, like, a, like another hit to this is the fact that we are able to create, which is different from angels and from animals. We can contemplate God and contemplate creation... Actually, that's that we can't fully contemplate God. We can contemplate creation and then have a uh, what's the right word? Have a a, form, um, an an agency towards that creation. We can have the will for something and then act to bend that creation towards that will. So, uh, 
uh, which uh, is fundamentally what creation is. I, you know, yeah. they, they obviously we have to. It's not creation ex nihilo like God does, but but we build stuff, right? And the angels can build things because if they wanted to manipulate materials, they could do that. But coming up with a notion, hey, you know what would look cool, <clears throat> and painting a picture of that—that's not something the angels can really do. If no, I because it. everything they can do, everything that they act, is given to them by God to act. So we've they got have a, wills, yeah, but they don't have that. Uh, they actually don't have reason, which is is something that we have because they have wills and they have knowledge, but they can't reason to knowledge, which means that they can't reason through a lack of knowledge. Right. We have reason, which is the combination of our will and our knowledge with the mechanical operation of our brains. Yeah. Now, uh, a couple things here. Um, you will get an evolutionist to um, accept that the reason for sex in the animals was reproduction. And you will get mm-hmm. them to admit that some animals seem to use this as some f- sort of relaxing, uh, as a way for them to relax or feel good. You'll never oh, get right. them. The, the drive, the, the yeah. sex drive, as it were. Yeah, that because animals, it, it's not like an animal thinks about reproduction. Right. It's more that the drive is there for the good of the population so that it's something the animals are inclined to do. So, But you would never hear anyone say that the point of monkey sex is for the monkey to relax or enjoy himself or become closer to his mate. It's uh, right. admitted no. that the monkey has sex so yeah. that they can have more monkeys. That's the only point of it. Yeah. And in fact, to the extent that it is enjoyable to the monkey... The enjoyment is for the purpose of making more monkeys. It's it's the the physiological, um, yeah. Let, let's say the 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 pleasure return, the the positive reinforcement aspect is at the service of the population yeah. of monkeys. And since we believe in God, we can just say that's why God made it that way. That's how God. Yeah, that's how well, I mean, God that's designed just, it. That was His. Design. And it seems so and obvious. It was a brilliant too. design, huh? And it seems so obvious, too. Right. I mean, once understood, it seems obvious. Right. I, I would think, you know, uh, a grade school kid could come up with that on their own if they were, say, raised on a farm. And they saw the way the mm-hmm. goat got all excited when it saw another goat and tried to get at it. And it's like, well, that's because they can have more goats. And then we'll have a whole bunch of goats. <laughs> yeah. uh, I want that goat excited because that means milk for me later. Milk. And meat. <laughs> and hair. <laughs> All kinds of good things come out of this, uh, all of it coming out of sex, which is a natural drive that God gave animals so that he could populate the planet with those animals. But then again, something special happens, and we've got human beings who, first of all, are self-aware, second of all, aware of God and can contemplate God, and third of all, it did change something in sex that we can't look at our sex and just 
compare it to animal sex and act like they're the same thing. There is a a natural uh, thing that happens when a man and woman have sex that doesn't happen with animals. There's a there's a closeness, a, an adjoining of, even if it's not um, in marital sex. Um, mm, right, right. I mean, the you know, I I was listening to. To a um, a show, one of those Catholic shows, uh, I forget his name, but some priest up in Michigan, a uh, pretty good guy. Uh, you know, he, he has a lot of good insights and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he was talking about some movie. I forget the name of the movie, and he himself didn't really recommend that anybody go out and watch it, but he was kind of talking about how Hollywood, once in a while, comes up with something that they have no idea how right they are. And it's this situation where this the I think it's like a Tom Cruise movie or something like that. But anyway, the, this this he you know they he and, and this woman they had had sex or whatever, and then they're having this discussion, kind of this tense discussion that you know I don't know whether you call it a breakup or or whether the the event was like a one night stand or whatever. But she said, when you have sex, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't know the exact words. Yeah. Your body makes a promise even if you don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow, that's like, that's a, so true because that's, when you bring that into the human realm, it's no longer just about a population because when it becomes, when it comes to humans, and this is, this is, this is like one of those things that it, you know, if, if you contemplate it, you really begin to see how elevated we are versus the rest of, of say, creation, or at least material yeah. creation. Um, but when it comes to humans and individual matters, not just the population, every other species of animal out there, the individual doesn't matter. It's the population that matters. Right. Even dogs. I mean, I know that, like, we have pets, we have dogs. I say, like, okay, well, my dog matters to me. Yeah. Okay, but but in the in the real sense, in the universal sense, that your dog doesn't really matter. It, you, the you know the universe right. would be the same with or without your dog, but not when it comes to humans. Every individual human matters, and that's why, at least partly why, human sex is different than yeah. animal sex. Not only matters, and, and but- why this closeness that results from it is a real promise made by the bodies, again, even if the individuals aren't aware of it and, and don't will it. Not only matters, but matters eternally. I mean, mm-hmm. w- when the reproduction yeah. does happen, because that there's a... When a baby's conceived, there is now a soul who will never stop existing, ever. And uh, in a sense, you could say a soul that will be a child of a mother and a father. Now, I I don't know if those relationships exist in heaven or how that works out, but the reality is that it has a mother and a father who came together to do something. And it has a body that will exist forever at some point. That's right, it does. Because we believe in the physical resurrection. Yeah. So, yes, I mean, the, the human sex has, every act of human sex has potential eternal consequences well i guess you know when people get older i guess if if you know past menopause well, and all that kind of stuff it, i realize yeah okay but 
the point is because of the nature of, of fertile human sex, the very act of human sex is different than animal sex. Right. There's a, I, as I said before, we should have some respect for the act, even if we're just breeding animals. But now that's kind of supersized now because, and to, to pretend that, and that humans ever thought of sex as only a, uh, only a pleasure to take part in. That's just, that's idiotic. We, all through history, man and woman have a relationship that, that, uh, culminates in sex. That's, that's how the yeah. ultimate relationship takes place is by having sex. That's, there's never well, been a you know, time this in history is kind where of that interesting. hasn't been true. <clears throat> this is true. And and what's what's interesting, I don't I don't know if this is uh I don't want to sidetrack too much. Okay. But in in every culture, I, I, I don't believe that there has been a culture in the world in which a man uh being in in a relationship with a woman, having you know, had sex with her or at least re- you know, regular sex with her or whatever does not have those feelings of jealousy at the thought or maybe the reality of another man doing the same with that same woman. Yeah, it's all through uh, literature and history. I mean, that's part But what's of it. interesting is is that you look at, even in like Jewish history, yeah. it, it was not uncommon for men to have multiple wives. Yeah. I mean, I, even like Jacob yeah. had had Leah and, and uh, what's her name, Rachel. Um and I, but I almost think that is, that's not something that was natural and intended from the beginning. I think that's a consequence of, of the fall that, right. you know, when God said, you know, you're, you're, you will lust after your husband and your husband, you know, will be the Lord over you. I think part of what he was pointing out is that, Hey, the guy is stronger and you've just kind of introduced him to selfishness. And there's going to be consequences for that. I think that I think that dynamic is maybe one of those consequences. And right. as we've come close to the coming of Christ, clearly by the time Christ came, the Jews did not think that it was appropriate for a man to have more than one wife at a time. Right. And I, I mean, that was going to be something I touched on, is that um, because of the fall, the, the simple fact is men are stronger than women. And it's always been the case. And so throughout most of history, in most societies, men were able to have more than one wife, first of all. Second of all, those wives were always uh, servants. I mean, Mm -hmm. practically slaves. That's just the way it is. Um, It wasn't until Christianity that marriage was given a special kind of thing that elevated the act to more than just the woman pleasuring the man but in right in right. a sense it 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 created an equality now i don't know the what degree this equality the sense of equality existed in the jewish conception of marriage like right before christianity but christianity um among all the other cultures of the world, created this, uh, introduced this concept of equality between men and women in the sense that the man is as bound to the woman as the woman is to the man. Right. Yeah. 
that is a Christian thing. But I guess we're not really there yet because we're talking about man and woman naturally. And yeah, just without the right evident by all of history, naturally there does there is a relationship between the man and the woman who have sex that does not exist. Every culture has a concept of something that looks like marriage. Right. The two like a societal permission to have sex. Yeah. and again, we have to point out that even though there's this new element to sex, uh, and it's more than just physical enjoyment, there's a new element to it, but there's still only, there's still one purpose that we can definitely say is there, and that is to populate. And there is mm-hmm. extra reverence given because of the fact that, that act has eternal consequences, you know? Right. Um, yeah. There is reverence given to the seed of man simply because it has the potential to create eternal consequences. Um, I oh, don't, you're like talking about like Onan, for example. Yeah. I don't mean to act like, you know, the Monty Python song, Every Sperm is Sacred. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was sacred. dumb. Yeah, that, that was just stupid. Um, yeah. No one believes that or ever did believe it. But the seed of man, especially in the in combination with the act of sex, is sacred. Yes, it is sacred, mm-hmm. very sacred. It has the power to uh, make life, uh, a life, not just life, but a life. A Different li- yeah, from that of right. the parents. Um, so God gave us this gift that is elevated above all the animals in that we could enter into relationships and produce life with this one act. And you do it in a very specific way. Um, it's, that's how you produce life and that's how you make the relationship happen is by that act of sex. It, all the other ways of abusing the bodies do not produce those two things. The mm-hmm. the natural purpose for these things is to produce life and to bring man and woman together. Uh, and you might say bringing man and woman together is more of a uh, supernatural or uh, transcendent purpose. You know, it's kind of it, it's it that that's something that um, almost deserves its own other podcast because. Mm-hmm. The unification of the man and woman, uh, it's kind of funny, I've got symbols on the brain because of another project we're doing. Um, The unification of the man and woman is symbolic of God's, say, relationship with creation and, and a whole lot of other things. But it's also pragmatic because it's the union of the man and woman, it's it's their married commitment to each other that is best suited to provide for the proper upbringing of the children that result from sex. Right. Not looking anything about religion, it's just that's the way it works naturally. Right. Now, and Jesus himself even said that in the in the kingdom there won't be marriages, you know, because the Pharisees came and asked him about the the widow who, you know, married the sort of black widow problem. Yeah. She married men at man after man who died and whose whose wife will she be? In the kingdom of Jesus, well, you got it all wrong. That that's not going to exist in the kingdom. 
So even the, the union aspect and the unifying aspect of sex is something that, while it has, uh, you know, for Christians, religious value as, as something symbolic and something that can lead us to a deeper understanding of, say, God and that kind of stuff, it is pragmatic. It's because that's what is best for the children that result from the act, and those children have an eternal existence. And they matter. Each one individually matters. Right. And it's also best for the man and the woman. As that they too. were created, there's a best possible possible outcome here is for the man and the woman to get together. In fact, God created the world. He created animals. He created man. And then he said, this is no good. Man's alone. Man shouldn't be alone. Yeah. So he created woman. Um. Now, we, we don't have to believe that, that there was a chronology that proceeded in that way, but we do have to believe that that is why we have man and woman. Right. And that man and woman are supposed to be together. Yeah. And not alone. Right. Right. And that's, you know, that he, he said he, well, in, and in the other one where, where it does, it doesn't go into the details about putting Adam to sleep and taking the rib and that kind of stuff. He just says, and he created the man and woman and, and put them in a garden. And, and it says, in his image, he created him. Let's see, how, how does that them. actually word? It's like he said, in his image, in his he image, created them, male and female. Male and female, he created them. And then he placed them in the garden and said, multiply and fill the earth. Yeah. So male isn't in his image on his own, and female isn't in his image on her own. Uh, the way right. it describes it. They are in his image when they are together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an ins- it's a super important part of this. But because of the fall of man, and because we started doing things that weren't good for us, uh, we have a few hiccups in the natural order of sex. Uh, starting with, not necessarily when it came about, but starting with contraception. You know, oh, this idea of I, I want to have sex, but man, I don't want to. I don't want to have to raise a kid. Right? It's uh, it's disordered. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not good for us to do that. It's bad for us, and it's also bad for humanity. We're seeing that now, kind of. There, are, there are some places that can't quite bring their production up level to above the dying level, and well, the replacement, yeah. Their uh, populations are diminishing. Um, but it's... I'm just pointing out here that in a natural way, this is not good for man. It doesn't... And, and we also see that in a hundred other ways um, psychologically where problems stem from contraception. And that deserves its whole other show. But the point here is that the the sexual act is a natural thing that was elevated to something above the animals, practically supernatural, and contraception is frustrating that. Contraception mm-hmm. is thumbing your nose at what God gave us as a gift. Not just gave us, but something, but, a <clears throat> good thing that yeah. we're supposed to it's not enjoy. Like, not like he imposed sex on us. Yeah, nobody... Oh, dang it. 
I have to have sex. I gotta have I mean, sex? Wow, come on, man. That's gross. Um, yeah, it's so it's so weird that the human race suddenly decided we want to have sex, but we don't want to have the reproduction. It doesn't really make natural sense. Um, and the other, the even darker part of that is that contraception never works 100% of the time and eventually you end up with a baby an unwanted baby and guess what the the next stage there since you've already decided you want to have sex but not have a baby the baby's murdered one of the sins that cry out to heaven right yeah um, yep infanticide uh specifically um is one of those sins well or i mean even before even before the question of abortion you you've got these babies okay not wanted and even then i think a lot of times putting the abortion out it goes one of two ways either um the parents simply resent the baby and the baby yeah. has a poor life because of it and, and I, I you know poor life in various ways or once in a while and this is more of a supernatural thing but but I think it occurs through natural inclinations because, again, God designed us this way. Right. The parents realized that they were wrong to not want the baby. Right. I think that happens a lot. I, I, I think that really happens. I, For some reason, a, uh, a Stephen King story, I can't even remember which one enters my mind here. And it's another one of those cases where he doesn't know how right he is. But he said something oh, to right. the effect that I, I, an older guy is looking at the situation of a, of a young couple who suddenly have to get married because there's a baby on the way. And he says mm-hmm. something to the effect that I think most marriages uh, happen this way instead of the other way around. In other words, most people have to get married because oh. they gave in to their sexual right. desires. They, they and get now into they so-called trouble. Baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's nothing... The good comes out of that bad. The bad is uh, yeah. ignoring the laws and uh, obeying our passions. And the good is when we adhere to the law and say, okay, now there's a baby coming. Let's we get have married. Um, Got to raise a baby. Good comes out of that <clears throat> because yeah. man and is not meant to be alone. Man and woman are meant to be together. And they're supposed to have babies together. That's what we're supposed yep. to do. Um, another part of this, and I would encourage people to, uh, listen to the podcast on overpopulation we made a couple weeks ago. That's right. God. I was just thinking about that. Yeah. God wants us to have children. He made man and woman, and the first commandment given to them is have babies. God wants life. That's why he created the bacteria and all the plants, and all the animals, and especially why he created man. He created man with the desire to reproduce. Uh, It wasn't, you know, and then, because that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to have children, and and a lot of children. He's a lover of life, and especially a lover of humanity, and human life. Yeah. He, there's never, I don't know of any times... In the Bible, where he uh, 
where it, he, it, like uh, is against says, somebody having kids. <laughs> right, that's not a thing. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Where does it say you no. have too many children, have less? That's never happened. Now, obviously, if that's not your wife, you can't go having kids with her. But um, that was never a commandment of his. Why but suddenly? Even, uh, I mean, like King David. Like think about it. King David. He was like so wrong. Yeah. Um, Hold and, on a second. I gotta uh, answer this phone. Let me mark. This. I was just talking about King David and okay, how King, he had yeah. the one guy murdered by putting him on the. In fact, he he not only put him on the line, but he he told his uh, his general that if he doesn't die, go ahead and kill him anyway, so yeah. that he could marry the man's wife. Yeah. But out of that union came King Solomon. Right. Um, and eventually, from whom came Jesus? Yeah, that's right. I, that. Jesus came out of that line? I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure Jesus came from King Solomon, yes. Okay. I mean, uh, he definitely came from David and through Solomon. Because yeah. David is the uh, the son of Jesse. And, you know, the the shoot from, from Jesse's stump is the prophecy in Isaiah and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I guess the overwhelming point here is the sacredness of the act combined with the sacredness of the um, that which what the act the creates uh, the yeah the sperm and the egg these mm-hmm. are part of the act and in combination with the act <clears throat> are elevated above what they were with animals when with animals they deserved a certain amount of respect but with people more than right. respect more reverence yes because reverence rather than just respect because as for all the reasons we've already said and um in the act of contraception we take the seed of man and we throw it away and that's Mm -hmm. the reason it's a sin is not because of this irreverence but this irreverence makes it more sinful you know what i mean it's like oh right right. I can tell you why contraception was is a sin, and it's not necessarily because I'm throwing away sperm or wasting sperm. That's not the way. Again, Monty Python tries to frame this is that we're saying you can't waste any sperm. Well, that's dumb because each ejaculation has so like, uh, well, thousands, hundreds hundred of thousands million of sperm. sperms, and only one. only one is yeah. used. <laughs> If it's used at all. So it's yeah. not a matter of wasting it. But it is a matter of treating it reverently because it's what ends up making life. Human yeah. life. Yeah. Which is eternal. Or it is it goes on forever. And it can't be erased. Um, so the contraception is sinful partially because it takes the act... And the substance in the act and treats it irreverently. Abortion is is just so much more horrible because it takes the result of that act and murders it. And yeah, murder is person and always yeah bad. And we could, I mean, nobody needs to be told why abortion is so evil. It's just evil, evil, evil. Um, but kind of a combination of these two is homosexuality, specifically sodomy. Um, it is wrong for us to waste our seed. It is more than wrong 
to take our seed and put it in an area that is used for excrement. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, that's kind of like this saying is, this 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 gift from God is nothing more than right. You know the 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 worst kind of waste product. It's irreverent in a whole new way. It's taking one of the greatest gifts we have, that ability to create or beget a new life that is eternal, and throwing it away in, in a way that is thumbing your nose at this gift. It's kind of like it's kind of like taking a sacred picture. I mean, this is going to be real gross. I, I and I apologize, but we already were. We're already this is real probably gross. An adult, yeah. Podcast. It's kind of like taking a sacred picture and wiping your ass with it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's blasphemous. Aside from mm-hmm. being irreverent, <clears throat> contraception is and, and aside irreverent. From, aside from the the um, the the wrong. Um, how, how, how do how do I want to say it? Aside the from disorder. the incorrect use of the sexual pleasure and the incorrect, well, the incorrect pursuit of the sexual pleasure, the incorrect use of the sexual release, which is supposed to be about procreation and so forth. Aside from all that, there's this this special, like like thumbing your nose at something sacred that goes on specifically with sodomy. Yeah, you're right. right. I, I hadn't even thought of that before. So now you've got all these new thoughts coming out in my head. Well, I, okay. I don't know how true this is. I've been told that uh, it's a big part of gay culture to have this weird fetish with excrement. <clears throat> I know there is a fetish. I mean, it's like, which is, I I don't know how. I don't either. It doesn't make, it's so, it's hard to even talk about. What what would it mean to, yeah, even have a fetish? Yeah, that's. But I, I know this exists. I can't, I can't imagine it, it existing in a uh, man, woman, heterosexual world, you know? Yeah. Um, Someone told me that it is often okay. A guy who works for one of those porta potty. Uh, uh-huh. Were you there at this conversation? No. Okay. This is one guy telling me what another guy told him. So I don't know. And maybe I'll just cut this whole section out. But it is common to find gays having sex in a porta potty. Using really? the excrements that's there, like doing smearing it on each other. That's it super seems super. I can't even imagine. Uh, I mean, hard that's to like, believe. I don't know. I, and that to me why is would even more bizarre, like that that, bizarre than uh, like like the Sato thing. Yeah, it's I. But the guy said he was told that not uh, not often, as in every day or even every week. But he didn't believe it, and then he caught them once uh, when he had to go pick up one of the porta potties. And yeah, there were two guys in there. Oh gosh! Anchor, stop! And they had like no, yeah, they were they were reached st- down into and yeah, 
I don't. Oh man! But you know, I I guess that, that's here's the, thing. the problem like, is it, that it, I would even believe that. Um, the reason that is believable is because again, look where you're putting your seed. That's where it's going. Yeah, that that's exactly what. Yeah. So whether or not this is true, it's it's no more disturbing than the fact that sodomy involves this action, and. That is a big part of why sodomy is so bad. Why it's only mentioned several times in the Bible. Uh, you know, maybe they thought they didn't have to talk about this, but it's one of those sins that are so bad that God destroys an entire uh, city, nation, city, whatever you want to call that. Yeah. Um, I was reading, as I was looking up information about all this, um, this... This bishop, oh, I, I lost the, I can't even tell you who the bishop was. Um, Historical bishop or modern? Modern, who wrote this uh, article on the sins that cry out to heaven. And, of course, he mentioned. Oh, <clears throat> was it uh, one of the ones we know, like like Athanasius Schneider or any, like. It might have been. But I, I don't or, know. Uh, who's the Who's the guy in Texas that's that's real good? No, COVID this is not a good guy. This is more like. Oh, this is not a good guy. Oh, like, so he's kind of like trying to twist the the sins that cry out. He. Oh, was is he trying to say that 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 the the sin of Sodom is in hospitality? Yeah, he mentioned that. He said it wasn't just that. It's like they were going to do evil things to the angels and and do violence to them, and they were mistreating immigrants. That's what he thinks the sort <laughs> mistreating animals. No, it's <laughs> God because did the not, angels showed up after God had already decided right. to destroy the city. God had already said, "Yeah, I'm going to destroy this." It place. doesn't make sense. Yeah, uh, it is only for this reason. It is out. It is because of sodomy, and only because of sodomy that they were going to be destroyed. Um, I mean, you even see that the Bible makes that so clear because the angels show up. And the men of the town say, hey, we hear some, there's some new men in your house. Send them out so that we can have our way with them. And Lot begs that. He even offers his daughters. He says, hey, take yeah. my daughters instead. These are, are holy men. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, it even describes men had stopped using the natural use of their gift. And women had stopped using the natural way of their gift. And... Uh, it, it describes homosexuality. That's what it describes before calling it, before the angels even go there. Yeah. They describe this sin. There's no mm -hmm. question about this. There's no question about how angry it makes God when we take something so great as yeah, our ability to make more people and misuse it. To make more of us. Yeah, to make more of us. Something the angels can't even do. Something he told us to do over and over again because he wants so much for there to be more human beings, more souls that will share in his eternal to, joy. To unite with him, to share his beatific vision, yeah. Frustrating <clears throat> that at all is a mortal sin. But to take it and to... Put it in poop. That's <coughs> yeah, indescribably that's, well, blasphemous. And I, that was really the whole point of this podcast, is to describe how wrong it is to do this. 
This is not something that the German church can come and say, well, it's not good. And it's not something you can you can say, well, this guy likes this guy. These are all disorders. This is yeah. unnatural in every sense of the word. No two men are going to have this happen to them without having some kind of disorder. I, I think most of it stems from uh, child abuse. But... And, and most gays who have, uh, most men who have same-sex attraction and have sworn that off to try to live a chaste life will mm-hmm. attest to the fact that, yeah, this kind of started with um, sexual mol- molestation when they were children. I mean, right. that seems to be a common theme here. I don't know why so few people are willing to admit it. Now there's something going on. I, I think there's also a. Uh, I think that's what most gays are. I think there's also a set like if you abuse a gift like sex to the point where it no longer even captures your interest. Yeah, perversions like this can happen. Oh, like like somebody who who gets let, let's say introduced to non-gay sex. Yeah, uh, I don't know, the age of twelve. And is who's somehow able to engage in it nonstop to the point where it becomes like whatever he wants or whatever. Yeah, and it's oh well, you know, need something. Hey, wow, you know. Okay, yeah, I, I, I could maybe see. I can kind of see that. I I have a hard time seeing that but, even then. Yeah, but the uh, overwhelming majority of gays seem to be at least gay men seem to be gay because they were. Uh, abused and violated as children, um, which a you know, lot of people say, don't even. A lot of people are saying groomers uh, instead of gays now because they're saying what groomers instead of gays. In, they are saying gays. They're saying groomers. Grooming is synonymous with homosexuality because it seems like gays are always trying to groom. Oh yeah, they're they're trying to increase their own numbers. Yeah, uh, and but generally you know, the with thing children is. So I mean, back before people worried a lot about that, there was an article in uh, I can't remember the name of the magazine, mm-hmm. but a psychologist had you know done a lot of like studies about that kind of stuff, and he had his own theory that as a kind of a dominating factor, um, gayness arose from men having deficient fathers. And so their their whole attraction to other men was a, a sort of disordered attempt to acquire the affection that they should have gotten from a father but never got. Right. But that doesn't lead to the the um, the sort of intentional perversion that a lot of gays have, I think. Yeah, and it certainly—I I don't know that it necessarily leads to the grooming uh, phenomenon. I, I think that there's something else going on that's deeper, more diabolical, and that sort of transcends human uh, psychology. Yeah, I think so too. In in gayness, that—that's—I think that's the the problem. That's the if it were if it were only a matter of those things that might naturally lead certain boys, certain men in that direction, I don't think it would be nearly as prevalent as it seems to be in our modern culture. Yeah. And, you know, uh, another 
two things that kind of go hand in hand here. Because um, another, I, I, I don't know if you would call it uh, sexual sin, but a, a sin against gender, at least, um, is described in the Bible. Men are not allowed to dress up like women, and women can't dress up like men. Yeah, that's right. Uh, <clears throat> even in the Old Testament, long before there were dresses and pants, it was recognized that men and women dress differently. And differently. act uh, yeah. differently. God wants all men to act like men and not to act like women. And the reason for that is because our gender, our sex, is a gift tied to reproduction almost as much as our body parts. You know what I mean? My, mm-hmm. my maleness is what allows me to become a father. So it's part of the sex act, but it also allows me to do all the things in society that I have to do. And to reject yeah. that and is rejecting a gift. And the same thing for the, women. You know, there's, there's, there's something about that too. That the sex act itself is a part of our animal nature. Yeah. But our maleness, aside from becoming a father, which is an animal thing, allows us, it's what, you know, gives us the tools to be a father, which is yeah. not in the human world just an animal aspect of, of existing. Right. You you need strength to do certain things. Women lack that strength. And Men it's kind of like, like being a father is in many ways part and parcel of being a husband, just like being a mother is part and parcel of being a wife. Right. It's, it's, it's in our husbandship that we exercise fathership and vice versa <clears throat> all of the body parts that allow us to be uh fathers allow us to be husbands as in attracting our wives um mm-hmm. and and then protecting our wives um and in the same sense the all of the body parts that a woman has that attract men allow her to Become a mother and then care for the child. And then be a mother, yeah. Um, I mean, that that kind of says it all on that. Um, our, our gender is a gift. And if we feel somehow deficient in that gift, which we all do, I you know, you make a mistake or you, <laughs> you, you cower or something, you feel like less of a man, and yeah. you have to recognize that and uh, try to do better, but... To reject the gender is another slap in the face of God. Here's what you created. Here's what you gave to me as a gift. And instead of trying to uh, make it better the way we're supposed to with our talents, and uh, as in the parable of the talents, um, I'm going to smother it and then try to choke it out completely and try to be something that I'm not. A gift that you didn't you know, give me. I'm going to try to obtain. I, I didn't even intend to go in this direction on this podcast, but what what you're talking about dovetails with with a reflection I had a few days ago. I forget yeah. what led me to it, but it, it's like our modern uh, androgyny this this idea of of trying not to see. Or acknowledge the idea of differences between men and women is a way for people, I think, to kind of uh, 
it's kind of a cop out. If there's not a difference between men and women, then I, as a man, if if, if we can be, uh, let's say, gender fluid, because you get this whole transgender thing. Yeah. And maybe it's the transgender movement that that really is the the culmination of all of this. If if I can be gender fluid, that means I don't have to be a man, even though I'm a man. I have man parts. I don't have to be good at being a man. Or if I'm a woman and I have woman parts, I don't have to be good at being a woman. But guess what? If you don't have to be good at being a man and you don't have to be good at being a woman, that means you don't have to be good at being a human being. Yeah. Because to be a human being is to be a man or a woman. And I wonder if if a lot of this is just um, an attack, not just... Like on humanity, ultimately, not just the sexuality, but all other aspects of humanity. And so this this whole like homosexuality movement is really a which a points to it in a bigger game, right? Which points to, to it being more diabolic than anything else. Well, you know the thing we started with this whole bishops thing. This is yeah. interesting because I'm going to circle back around to this while you're trying to find that point. I pulled up this the document, which is the specific document that the German bishops or the the German synod or whatever want the Pope to say yes, you know, thumbs up, you got the approval, all of that is good. And I, I you know, I haven't looked at the document's overall structure, but I I pulled in on this part. It's called Principle 5. I guess there are four previous principles that I haven't looked at. Um, And the sentence is, The principles and criteria of sexuality lived out in Christianity, hyphen, respect for self-determination and responsible sexuality, as well as fidelity, permanence, exclusivity, and responsibility for one another in relationships, also apply to homosexual people. Now, I don't, I mean, respect for self-determination, I'm not even sure what that means, but to the extent that it means anything that's Christian, it's not a sexual thing. Yeah. Uh, Responsible sexuality, to me, sounds like chastity. Uh, Fidelity is, well, duh, that's, you know, that's in marriage, as is permanence, as is exclusivity. And then responsibility to have and to hold. Okay, all of that is just marriage. But in these principles and criteria of sexuality lived out in Christianity, they seem to be missing procreation. This this initial, uh, the, the proto-commandment, you could call it. Multiply and fill the earth. Yeah, that's sad. It, it's like, it's, it's in the because... first part of the first book of the Bible, and yet these bishops don't seem to recognize it as a principle of sexuality lived out in Christianity. And here's it, aside from it being one, an obvious part, number two, the main part, the main natural part. Yeah. Aside from that, it's the best part of sex. Yeah. The sexual pleasure is a few moments, but the pleasure of a child, obviously, I mean, as a baby, they're just fun. But then yeah, they grow I, into, you know, manhood and you have that relationship with them. 
okay, yes, sometimes those relationships go bad, and especially if they choose to go off on a non-Christian path and that kind of stuff. But right. but that that apt relationship with your children as adults, that's the best part of it. Right. Um, there are men out there who would admit that if it wasn't for the act of sex itself, they would never get with a woman. Um, I would even more so admit if it weren't for the children, I don't think I'd ever get with a woman. Because it, it's hard being in a relationship. You you, you got to put up with things, and uh, that's true. It's not that hard. It's like there is companionship, but yeah. it's not the same. As I, I I could a see. Buddy. I mean, depending on your level of libido, I could see that yeah. there might be men like you're not worth the the pleasure of the sex, but you are worth you know the having children. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it, I just it <clears throat> it is to me. I, I guess it, it it ranks anyway, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Whether yeah. companionship or children are one is better than the other, I don't know. I guess I couldn't say. Oh, by but the way, I, just in there. case my wife ever listens to this podcast, I I, I don't count myself among those men. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, um, I guess that's about all we should say on the subject right now. Because, yes, to me, that's pretty much to think about. That's Um, that's a lot. Yeah. And it's just, again, this isn't, we're not giving you the proof that homosexuality is evil. We're just telling you why it's so bad. Why the church ought to be preoccupied with fighting this and Mm -hmm. why we ought to be preoccupied with fighting this especially in our society right now where it seems to be overwhelming uh everything it seems like everything has to be about gays now and which almost it's like how how is god to read that but yeah i i well those who listen to this podcast know that we don't discuss these things ahead of time and i I had not thought of your approach of look at it from the point of view of the angels. And I think that's brilliant. Did I hang up on you? I think I hung up on you. Hey, I guess I hung up on you accidentally. Yeah, suddenly you were gone. Okay, I was saying, and and you'll have it in my recording, but you can cut the one. But I was saying, I had not previously thought about it from your approach of look at it from the point of view of the angels. And I think uh, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know I where you I, came up with that, but it's uh, like when you when you start to think of it that way, it's like wow that that it it puts it in such a perspective. I thought of that because someone mentioned that one of the main motivations of uh, Satan was not necessarily pride, but envy. Oh, right. Okay. And we. <clears throat> They were going over reasons that the devil is envious of human beings and our ability to create and our ability to procreate were two big parts of that because the angels can do neither of those. That's true. That's true. I can't remember where I heard that, but it was a long time ago. Okay. Well, then I guess we should get to the news. Current events. Uh... So, remember there was that mass stabbing in Canada? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 
One guy which, was found we thought dead. Thought was weird. Yeah, and then the other guy was picked up finally and arrested. Name is Miles Sanderson, okay. thirty years old. Uh, he was taken into the custody and then shortly later reported dead. Oh, they so. they are saying that they were from self-inflicted wounds. Like oh okay, like maybe he was barely alive when they got to him, but I don't know. Could, yeah, I don't know if that's be, true or yeah. not. Well, given maybe that they it was were just Canada, angry. I'm inclined to believe that. Yeah, um, and and then there's this: four people are killed, three others injured when a gunman goes on a live stream shooting spree in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, that guy was arrested. Nineteen year old. I think he was a black guy, and he was shooting white guys. I think that's what that was about. He had been sentenced to prison before. Uh, he had been sentenced to three years in prison, I think for assault, but he only served 11 months, and he was released in oh. March, and now he went on a killing spree and killed several people. Um, you know, the the condition of our jails is that we, if we don't have enough room, we just let people go. Oh right, right. It's a, we're in a bad state. The overcrowding. Right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't. I know what long-term answers are for this. I don't know what any short-term answers are. We don't have well, enough. What I'm afraid is, are going to be answers is you know things like. Have you ever watched Escape Plan with no. Sylvester Stallone? Okay. No. Um, it's worth a watch. It's not a great movie. It's an okay movie, but. The uh, it has Jim Caviezel as the warden of a private um, jail, and so the the idea is that jails are so overcrowded and prisons especially that they're turning to these so called private prisons, which is the case right now. I, is that happening? Yeah, a lot of prisons are privately uh, owned entity. They're corporate prisons. I did not know that. That to me, have, that scares the hell out of me. Yeah, it ought to. And and I think judges are, in some cases, judges are getting money to send people there. Oh, wow. I know that. I, I knew this rather, is the case because I, I saw one have, where a judge had been bribed. He was, he was finally convicted because he uh-huh. had sent so many juvenile kids to prison to when they didn't prison? need to be in prison. Yeah. I would rather see criminals turned back onto the street because there's not enough room than to see privately owned and run prisons. Yeah, it's a bad situation. All right. Um, anyway. Okay, but anyway, uh, let's see. Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, <clears throat> Poland and the Baltic states announce a ban on Russian tourists entering their countries beginning September 19th. I think so, this is such a weird announcement. That? That's weird. How do you do I that? I don't know, but do they really have a problem with this? I mean, I mean, I, I, I do, are that like many Poland Russians as, really trying to get to Poland to tour? Maybe the idea is that, well, you know. I would think most like of them Russians, would be scared anyway. It's not like Russians are escaping Russia right now. Yeah. Ukrainians so, are escaping Ukraine. Yeah. So, like, I mean, if you say, "Oh, I'm from Russia. I'm here on business," does that mean that you know you're you're allowed in then? Yeah, it's that's weird. That odd. that to me is really weird. 
I if you went to Poland to defect from Russia, could you do that? Are Russians allowed to leave Russia? I I mean I don't know about I don't like think immigration it's like it used leave. To be. Yeah. It, it's not like the Soviet Union though. It's not like oh right. you know you're a you're a big person of note and we we if you try to leave we have to kill you. I don't think it's like that anymore. Right. So I don't. It's just it occurred to me that I don't think that many people. I mean, my son Russia Max left are Russia. Are trying to visit Poland? Huh? Oh yeah. yeah, Max was from Russia. Yeah, I mean orphans. You know, it, it's, yeah, they, we get they I, cooperate with the Russian. Uh, Authorities, they get a new birth certificate that shows, you know, in the new country, wherever they're moving uh-huh. to. And that's weird. Okay. Uh, of course, the big piece of news this week was uh, the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Um, that puts her son in charge as King Charles III. I don't mm-hmm. ever remember having a king. In England, not in our lifetime, no. But I heard a recording of Queen Elizabeth before she was queen denouncing the monarchy and saying that it ought to be abolished. Of course, once she became queen, she didn't do that. Yeah, did she, she didn't think that because, and she stayed a queen for a long time. <laughs> of um, course, you know, the thing is, Queen Elizabeth, her, her, um, she was largely a figurehead. She, she, yeah. she That's represented England to the world. Um, in theory, uh, parliament, you know, each year when, when they did, you know, whatever they, they did, they had to submit their all of their, their work, their acts to the Queen for approval, but it was just a kind of a rubber stamp thing. Um, and maybe, it, maybe that's how she, I don't know, lived out her objection to the monarchy is that she truly right. just rubber stamped acts of parliament or something like that. I don't know. Because I don't think King Charles III can, say, uh, attack Spain, you know? Right, for example. He's not yeah, a real yeah, yeah. monarch. So it, Yeah, it's it's a kind of a weird situation in England. I, I think but, the prime minister has more power than the king or queen. But what a lot of people might not have thought of is the fact that King Charles III is now the Pope of the Church in England. Yeah. That's Any. that's what you know. <clears throat> I never thought of that because we only think of that in ter- you know historically. But yeah. now that there's a changeover, I've kind of I've started like having questions about that because you know like the whole idea of the the Anglican Church was that in England this this territory over which the king has authority. Uh, yeah. And and it's kind of weird because I think like like in the trial of um, Thomas More, it wasn't the king who was said to have higher power than the pope. It was the parliament. Um, I guess that would be. I don't know. I don't remember. Ex- I don't know I, I mean, about that because the parliament. And I'm only taking that from from the, the play the king, A Man though, for right? All Seasons. Yeah, I, I don't know. But but the thing is, I think the king is the head of. The Church, Church of England, England. or yeah. the Queen. So, is is there such a thing as a Anglican Church outside of English? I mean, outside of England. Like, yeah, that's are why there I never American got... Anglicans, I mean, for example. Who's there? Who's there? And, and if the if yeah, that's that's if the principle of Anglicanism is that the Pope is superseded by the King because he's the juridical King of this territory, England. 
then what does that mean for uh, Anglicans outside of England? Or like like in the United States, we have the Episcopal Church, which yeah. I think is like the, the United States brand of Anglicanism or something like that. And then what, How does what, that all work? Joe Biden should be in charge of that, I would think. Yeah, that yeah. Why isn't Joe Biden the the at least titular head of the Episcopal Church in the United States? Yeah, I will say that it's it's odd. I think the fact that we've got the Church of England broke off from the real Church is no longer the real Church. Does not have the real Mass or real Confession, um, and yet they've kept a lot of the traditional flair of the Church. You know. Yeah, their, that is kind of interesting that, like, church, in terms of the rituals services. and stuff, you mean? Yeah, yeah. The rituals seem to be more traditional than the Novus Ordo. At the same time, <coughs> they have ignored the doctrines of the church. Yeah, so it's like, we'll like, throw out the doctrine and keep the track. You know, that that is kind of the English way, though. I, 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 yeah. And I only say that because, I, you know, once upon a time, long, you know, a couple decades ago... I read a uh, an article in some magazine. I think it was a Catholic magazine about mm-hmm. Victorianism. You know, you know, like like Queen Victoria, and there's this concept of like Victorian, um, I don't know, etiquette and Victorian uh, sensibilities and that kind of stuff. Architecture? Uh, no, no, not architecture, but more like interactions and modes yeah. of dress and that kind of stuff. Okay. And the point of the article, the article had a lot of like historical data to back itself up, but the point of the article was that, uh, I think it even like kind of related itself to abortion a little bit, but the point of the article was that Victorian England was more concerned with appearances than with the underlying realities behind them. And so as long as you appeared correct, it didn't matter what you did that nobody saw. That would, so uh, maybe yeah. maybe there's a little bit of that bleeding over into the Anglican kind of the right versus the doctrine kind of thing. I guess so. I I wonder what's going to happen now that the Church of England has a new head. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Will he even? Will that even be a thing for for Charles? Will he even right. do anything in that regard? And if he didn't, then is it possible <clears throat> for someone else to? Could one of the bishops or all the bishops together make a change against his will or without his will. I don't I don't right. understand yeah, how, but it's Yeah, I don't know how that works. We'll have to look into that. We well we'll we'll come back sometime with a podcast yeah. about the Church of England and, and the the I, I mean nobody I think who listens to this podcast is unaware that the Church of England is not the real church. Yeah. But how it really works and how it's structured, that that's kind of a, a head-scratcher for me. would be so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, North Korea passed a law formally declaring itself a nuclear state. Oh. Uh, they said... So they said, we have nukes and we are going to engage the world on that level. I, I guess yeah. that's what that means? Yeah. And it, it reserves... The right of North Korea to use a preemptive nuclear strike. Wow. That's interesting. Because, I mean, you know that North Korea, as it is right now... I don't think they is, have 
uh, they probably don't even have nukes. And yeah. if they did, you know, a preemptive strike, okay, they can't possibly have enough nukes to preemptively strike someone to such a degree that they would not be fully annihilated in response. Yeah, that's the weird thing. I mean, North Korea could literally disappear from the map with a number of... The only thing I could see, the, the only way I could see this going is that they get into an alliance with China where they get China's agreement to back a preemptive strike against, I don't know, some, some other country. Yeah. That's, that's the only way I can see this playing out in, in any way that, that might ensure North Korea's continued existence. Yeah. I, I, I wish, I mean, the whole question of North Korea seemed to be well in hand when Trump was president. And now it's kind of like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Is this guy? Yeah. What are they, what are they doing? I, it's kind of funny because Trump, I mean, I even felt a little bit disappointed. He said, oh, yeah, Kim Jong-un, I kind of like the guy. Yeah, he was, he almost seemed friendly with him. But almost fatherly. At, at the same time, when he was president, we did not worry about North Korea. Right. Oh, well. So <laughs> yeah, that was we'll their see. law. <laughs> so, uh, okay, a new lunar material is discovered by the Beijing Research Institute. Seriously? Um, they call it Change Site. C H A N G E S I T E. It's a it's a phosphate Did- mineral in in like crystal form <clears throat> that's found in lunar basalt particles. So are these particles that that I mean how was there a lunar landing that we missed in okay, our Okay, news- they're saying China's change Change 5 mission returned about like close to three and a half pounds of uh, lunar material. Oh, so they say that they did have a lunar landing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's maybe, maybe not. I mean, it's it's not like if they're saying it, they're lying, but it's like if they're saying it, they might be lying. You you can't just take them at their word. They, They don't seem to... Well, okay, here's two problems. Number one, they don't seem to share the uh, material with the rest of the world so that other scientists can check up on them. Number two, we're at a point where we can't really trust anyone in the rest of the world to check up on anything. The whole scientific world has become so untrustworthy as it's been politicized, not just in America and China and pretty much everywhere. Uh, Although, I still don't feel that way about NASA. That's what I was going to say. I'm NASA's sure NASA the is one place. in some way politicized, but I yeah. don't feel that they're untrustworthy <laughs> or, or untransparent in any way. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of NASA, um, uh, they got some. They revealed photos from the James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, mm-hmm. These are some of the first photos of the Orion Nebula. Oh. Um, wow! I assume that they they have pictures of forming stars and solar systems Stuff that like maybe that, we yeah. haven't seen before. Um, I didn't I look, look at them those. yet, but uh, that kind of stuff is always interesting. I mean, yeah. when if we've got better pictures 
of forming solar systems, we might have a better idea of how our solar system came into existence. Maybe why Earth is so much different from all the other planets in in its distance yeah. from the sun and its size and what it's made of. All of the is, models out there for solar system formation, Earth should not exist. That that's right. that's what's really weird. And this and, giant moon that we have, the singular yeah. giant moon. That's just it's an oddity. So maybe we can find out why. Who knows? Um mm-hmm. That's all the news I got. All right. I don't have a whole lot of news this time. I have like three items. Um, I think I sent you the thing so you can look at it. So, okay, the first one is really kind of interesting. And it's 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 like cultural interesting. Obviously, it's not a, a real thing. But these um, archaeologists in Poland believe that they've discovered the remains of a woman who was believed to be a vampire and was buried with, um, like, vampire... Um, the, the things you would do in order to keep a vampire from coming back from the grave and stuff like that. Like a stake she had a the sick, heart type of stuff? A sickle around her neck and a triangular padlock on her foot. According to ancient beliefs, this was supposed to prevent a deceased person thought to be a vampire... From returning from the dead. Okay, triangular padlock on her foot. Uh, how old is? Uh, this I don't know what a triangular padlock means. I yeah, think the sickle is is the the big thing. The sickle around her neck. So when did this woman die? Or when? Are, how old are they saying these remains are? Uh, let me see if I can find. So the primary protected seventeenth century. Centuries later. Okay, seventeenth so eighteen hundreds. Eighteen hundreds. Did they have? Padlocks in the 1800s? I think so, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, I think they had them right. in the, the 1600s. Did they? Okay. I didn't know that. Well, that's, um, uh, that is interesting. Burned, destroyed rocks, heads, legs cut off, such as... I mean, it is kind of interesting. It, you know, it, it, yeah. somebody who, who... The people who buried her thought she was a vampire. Uh, that could be, you know, uh, I guess... Soci- sociologically interesting or something like that. Yeah. It's it's not the first one. Um, they said that they've found six so-called vampire skeletons at a cemetery in northwest Poland in 2014. I wonder so if there's like eight, a rash of, of something happening at the time where it's like suddenly everybody thought everybody was a vampire and they're like, all right, and from now on... We're putting a padlock on every person we Everybody. <laughs> kind of like... That does it. Yeah, it's like like if, if, if there was a similar practice for wit, for how to bury witches, you know, in Salem yeah. in the United States. Or maybe like, okay, they... I, I, I don't care whether you're a witch or not, but we're going to do this stuff when we bury you. <laughs> yeah. There's like maybe a trial, and it was like, you, you 20 people are convicted of vampirism, and therefore we're going to put you to death and bury you this way. Yeah, yeah. It says that the 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 sickle was put there around the neck because it the the idea was that if they tried to get up, they would basically automatically cut their, cut head, their off. head off. <laughs> <laughs> the the things that you do in superstitions are so odd. You yeah, know? like why? If she can get up, why can't she just take the sickle and take it off her neck? Take it off know? before she gets up. 
it's, the thing it's is, so weird. If she could get up after she's dead, <laughs> why why would losing her head stop her? Just grab her head yeah. and put it back on. <laughs> It's like, I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, Jesus Christ, the resurrection. Well, do we think that if they had cut his head off, somehow that would have stopped the resurrection? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so, a lady walks into a bar with a raccoon. Sounds like the start of a joke, doesn't it? Yep. Well, apparently that was the whole story. She walked into a North Dakota bar with a raccoon. Um, The bar owner... Uh, I, uh, to me, the the nonsense is the fact that this is even news. Yeah. Because you know, ra- raccoons, raccoons. I mean, I know we associate them with getting into trash, knocking your trash cans over, and that kind of stuff. But they're a lot. They're not like they're not nasty creatures the way possum are or rats are. You know what I mean? Right. They're, they're not they're, quite as gross. To me, raccoons yeah. are a little bit like um, tiny. Uh, bears or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so she walked into the bar. She had it. Um, and the bar uh, tender said uh, about, you know, 10 people in the saloon at the time. Asked the woman to leave. And, you know, she she kind of got up. She she finally got up to, to leave, but then showed it to somebody else before she went out. Finally, she left the bar. Uh, the okay. reason this is a news story, somebody decided it's newsworthy because it prompted health officials to come and, you know, give talks about rabies and that kind of stuff. Well, rabies. yeah, I mean, if the raccoon was rabid, the woman would not have been able to hold the raccoon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. I can see six... asking her to leave because it's, it's like having a dog, you know. Yeah. I mean, okay, know, a pet in a bar. Area, hey, we don't know, have pets yeah. in here. So, yeah, I leave, but to be newsworthy? Um, yeah, I don't know why it's in the news, except that but it, it, a, it's kind of, a reporter it's, has to write something. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a slow news day. <laughs> he's talking about Biden, and this is all I can find. Um, that's right. Well, we can't, we can't write about the stuff that's obvious. Uh, so let's uh, find something. You know what uh, I but, saw? Well, oh, go ahead. Well, no, what's that? Um, I went to uh, AutoZone to pick up a part, and this girl walked in. She had a lemur. Really? Wow. On, I don't think I've ever seen a lemur live. I have never either. Except, I mean, other than the zoo, but it yeah. was well, I it was tame. It, was, it wasn't even on a collar or anything. It was just just followed just her around. Cool. No, she had it on her shoulder. It, it was pretty oh, small. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a fairly small one, and it sat on her shoulder yeah. the whole time. It was pretty cool looking. <laughs> well, this I found interesting because uh, I found it surprising. It says six rabbit animals have been reported in North Dakota. Now, North Dakota is, you know, kind of like wild country. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, a big area. Yeah. yeah. And it's wild. Uh, this year... Two bats, two cats, one bovine, and one skunk. Only How, uh, six for the the whole year so far. This is, you know, through eight months of the year in North Dakota. Only six okay. rabbit animals so far. But I can see the cats. Um, okay. I guess I could see the uh, the, the bats, cow. maybe. I mean, you know, the bats could, could go and, like, if they're uh, no, blood-sucking yeah, bats, the bat, they could though. go... 
if you you don't if you, you found don't see a the bat, bat, no. Why why would anyone test a bat for rabies? Oh, I see what you're saying. It, you would only test a bat for rabies if it had bitten someone, right? Well, that I that know. must mean two people have gotten bit by a bat and by decided, rabid bats. I, yeah. Uh, well, I think bats, and, and see, that's the thing. I think bats generally don't bite people if they're not rabid, other than a or certain Or even if they are. I mean, a well, bat it has to get out of its primary mode of transportation in order to bite someone. It has to land on you, or you have to have touched it somehow. Well, that's you know? true. It's like you have to have picked it up somehow. I I can't imagine hmm. how that happens, uh, but then again, I can't, because Pee-wee got bit by a ra- uh, bat. Did he really? That surprises me. He was, I have no idea how he ended up touching it with his hands, but uh, a bat got into his house, he knocked it down, he picked it up to take it outside, and it bit him. Huh. So that was like a purely defensive, like, Yeah. you've got a hold of me, the only thing I have left for defense is my, my mouth. Teeth. Yeah. Okay, interesting. But if if you're at that point, it's like if they're able to catch it and and send it to be tested. I don't know. It's just kind of odd. That is odd. But yeah, okay. So I see the cats. Yeah, the what does a rabid cow look like? Uh, I don't know. I heard a story about a rabid goat. Oh, really? Um, what did that look like? It. I guess it, it's it just started getting real mean the way. Rabbit dogs will, and it, it would like buck anything that it saw move. You know, if oh, leaf, like like rub and and like not necessarily biting, but running into everything. Yeah, it would trying to hurt whatever tool that it had, whether it's mm-hmm. bucking it or using its uh, hooves or biting it in some cases. Okay, so just harm. extreme. Uh, it just aggression. got really grumpy at first, then aggressive, then to the point where it's like just knocking itself into a wall and doing weird things like that. Yeah, well, and that's kind of the progression of rabies, I think. Yeah, and so I guess a cow would do the same thing. All right. I, I would hate to be on the receiving end of that from a cow. Right. That is one giant animal I would not want to have. I don't... Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And my next one, I mean, because I'm heading out... For a couple of weeks, uh, I just had to leave you with a bear story. Oh, no. I know how you love bears. <laughs> this one came a to a, a, a two-year-old kid's birthday party. <laughs> oh, yeah? Crashed the party? He crashed the party. The The people started yelling at him, so he went over to the table and started eating the um, cupcakes. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, like, I mean, if you're a bear and you walk, I guess you could pretty much ignore everyone. It's not yeah. until somebody shows up with a gun that you have any. I, I wonder if, I mean, do they, are they afraid of humans? I guess not. Or anything. I mean, they, they I, you know, it's kind of funny. I mean, I wonder if, uh, yeah, they say that lion is the king of the forest. Yeah. But I, I think bears kind of are the same way I in America. And if you're, okay, the fact, obviously bears will eat human stuff, Mm -hmm. but if you're yelling at one and it's not going away, 
to me, that indicates it has no fear of people and ought to be put down. Because bears, like every wild animal, should have a natural fear of people. Yeah. Hold on just a minute. Not having that would make it dangerous. So, yeah, they're, they're clearly not afraid of people. Yeah. It's a, would, well, what's what's funny is like the, the last part of this uh, news story says the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, DEEP, deep. I I don't know. Somebody made that up. Encourages people to yell at the bear and make a lot of noise. I I don't think I don't think it mattered to the bear. <laughs> yeah, as long as I have a gun, I'll do that. But if I have no gun, I'm not going to do that. It's like I don't want to draw attention to myself. <laughs> bear have what he wants <laughs> I'm gonna walk the other way or run the other way or something <laughs> but the thing is like when you see bears in let's say non-ferocious settings uh, they they just look gentle don't they I have never thought that <laughs> I think you with bears is like me with snakes. <laughs> you never, never thought that bears look gentle they when, when no. they're not ferocious. I mean, to me, a bear is a giant animal that could easily kill you, and that's all it is. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I I think bears look, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, they look, you know, cute and, and whatever. But, uh, of course, you know, the thing is, when they... When they roar, or when they like stand up on their hind legs, or when they charge, it's yeah. like, wow, you know, watch it's, out for that. You know, it's kind of interesting. More dangerous to me, than a lion. A, a bear is, um, to me, a bear is kind of like a, a metaphor for innocence. Because, you know, you think of innocence, okay, innocence is, is uh, calm and, 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 you know, non-threatening and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you, if, if something is really fully innocent and therefore completely in tune with how things should be, and then you threaten that, it 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 becomes ferocious. Yeah, I I, I, I almost th- think I of bears that way. I guess because like when they're hunting, <laughs> if you watch a lion hunt, mm-hmm. it's it's an active ferocious thing to watch. The whole thing is. Okay. Where whereas bears when they're hunt I don't I don't I've never seen bear hunt a regular animal. Do they actually but hunt? When they're, I don't think they do, but they will eat meat if they find it. Oh, okay. No, limit. I've yeah, cuz I've seen them hunt seals. You can oh. see videos of that. Right. They don't they look more like they're picking a plant out of the ground. They look that calm about it, you know. Oh, here's a seal. Yeah. Oh, that, here's an apricot. Yeah. Well, you know that's that's uh, yeah. I I think that's uh, kind of how I I tend to see them. I would never want to be around one unconstrained. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with bears. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> don't have a two-year-old party with cupcakes then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at least, at least not in uh, Connecticut. Not in bear country. Not in bear country. <laughs> well, what's funny is that uh, apparently the he showed up while they were 
playing the soundtrack Bare Necessities from oh. the uh, the Disney uh, Jungle Book uh, movie. Yeah, I'll bet he did. I'll bet that. I'll bet that might have been made up. That yeah. might have been made up. I don't know. <laughs> Too much of a coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that is all I have. Only three stories today. All right. Oh wait, well, wait, wait! But we should have a uh, Bible. Okay. We should have a Bible trivia, shouldn't we? Yeah. Hold on. Let me pull my cards out and let me roll my dice. I didn't get a real die this time yet. I, I still need to get one. All right, online dice roller. Number one, uh, Old Testament. Who was the man from the land of Uz, or Uts? U-Z is how it's spelled here. Yeah. I remember seeing the land of Uz, and I don't remember who it was that was from there, though. Um, I have no idea. Because I, I know that Abraham was from Ur. You are. Maybe I'm thinking of Ur. Um, no, I know I've seen it. Yeah, no, no, I've seen it too because one of my kids was reading the Bible and he says like, okay, so is it is it U-Z or U-T-Z? Because the um, the modern Bible translations have it one way, but the Dewey Reams has it, I think, U-T-Z. Hmm. Who was the man from the land of Uz, Uz or Uts? Okay, I do not know, so I'm going to turn it over and find the answer. It is, oh, Job. Job was from Job Uz. is from Uz. Okay, let me. Okay. And and they only they only give his where he's from at the very beginning of the book of Job. Yeah. And I don't think we have any geographical sense of where Uz is, do we? No. In fact, I mean, Job may not have been one of those guys who actually existed. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, Job is actually worth reading. It's kind of interesting. Job, I mean, I I do a thing where I read the Bible um, according to a plan by the New New St. Thomas Institute, where yeah. every day you've got um, Old Testament historical reading, Old Testament wisdom literature reading, which starts with the Psalms, uh, and yeah. old, and then the New Testament. And and so it progresses through all three throughout. It, it's supposed to be like the Bible in a year kind of thing, and they have readings for each day. I don't worry about the year thing. I just do the next thing, and then when I get to the end of it, I start over. Yeah. Um, but I've so now I've read the book of Job twice and not just read through it in a sitting, but read, you know, a chapter or two each day, time to reflect on it, that kind of stuff. And every time, each time that I've read it, it's like, oh, wait, I see nuances and I see interplays of the characters that I didn't really? see before. Like the first time I read it, I was completely confused. It's like, well, I've never read okay, it. this doesn't sound like the book of Job that was described to me. But then right. the second time I read it, it's like, okay, wait a minute. I can see a little bit of the interplay going on here. So, uh, anyway, Job is from Uz or Uts or whatever um, whatever the right pronunciation for that land is, which may or may not be a real land because Job may or may not be a real person. Okay. And there's your Bible trivia for the day. All right. Well... Think about what we said and 
As always. Go raw. Circle the beads. And we'll see you probably in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'll be uh, out of the country. Uh, maybe we'll have something to post this next week, but it won't be a, a you know like a, a chat like this. Yeah. Bye, everyone. All right. Well, thanks.